Welcome to this Hey Legal Exclusive. Hey Legal Exclusive. Content that will keep you up to date and informed about the important legal issues of the day. Time is of the essence, so let's begin. So I am joined uh, by Ian McSporing, QC, who has kindly agreed to uh, speak today to Hey Legal about his recent experience. He's, he's just completed the first jury trial since lockdown. So hello, Ian. Hello, Edith. How are you? I'm very I'm well. Indeed. How are you? <laughs> so, Ian, you have just successfully completed uh, the very first jury trial since lockdown. Um, and we're all really interested to hear about how that went. Uh, and um, if you'd like to just kind of take us through, I suppose if we start off just what your knowledge of the, the trial was before you began, what, what did you know of the process? Right. I, I think it's for the first thing I would like to say in order to start on a positive note, because there are some uh, less positive notes, only a very few. But the first thing I would like to say is that everyone who has worked towards making this happen, uh, the working group, the, the technical people, the Scottish Courts and Tribunal Service, everyone, every individual who had to contribute to it in order to make it work ought to be uh, thanked. And, and, and they are thanked by, by me and I'm sure by the rest of us for allowing this to happen because it, it was a, a pretty substantial task. Mm. Um, I'm not technically minded, but I can tell that a lot of um, technically minded people have been applying themselves to this. And therefore, let's start on a very positive note to say well done to everyone who allowed this to happen. And, and it was a successfully completed trial in as much as it started, it had a middle and it, and it finished with a verdict, which is all we could have possibly hoped for. Um, you may have um, been hinting that the successful completion of it was that the, the accused was acquitted by the jury. Uh, um, but that, that's in a sense neither here nor there. The fact mm. is that the trial ran as it, as it, largely as it would have done under our uh, old uh, system or the system which is currently in abeyance. So moving on to the slightly negative aspect and, and a kind of warning to practitioners, I learned pretty well everything I knew about the process um, from a BBC News website article explaining uh, which courtroom was being used, where the jurors would sit, where practitioners would sit and so on and, and how the thing would be broadcast within the building. And it's not right that I should rely on the BBC to tell me as Defence Counsel what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I, we're in the very early stages and I understand that what was going on, uh, even up to the last minute, um, changing aspects of it. But it was known for some time that I would be Defence Counsel in the first trial in Edinburgh. And therefore, when I discovered there had been a, a trial run um, of the process in which people had seen every element of it and I hadn't been invited to that, I was slightly surprised. I, I would encourage everyone who has a trial uh, under whatever new system develops from this uh, to insist and to keep pressing. It's not because people don't want you to see it, but they have other things to do. But it's absolutely vital that you see the thing working. Mm -hmm. Do not go along to the trial court expecting to work out in five minutes what it looks like. It's this, this model, which I understand is different from the Glasgow model, of course, this model requires you to have a feel for what the jury are looking at, where they are. Um, for example, I had understood they would be in the public benches of Court 3. They're not. They're sitting some uh, uh, at the Crown side of the table, others at the defence side, others in the dock. 
they're spread around, socially distanced, but within the well of the court. That allowed me, that knowledge allowed me to make a speech which opened up by pointing out that the, the last trial held uh, uh, pre-COVID was in that very room and that at least that one of the jurors was sitting where the accused had sat in that trial, whether that made any difference to them or not, but it gave me something to say. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it at least allowed me to let them know that I knew what, you know, <laughs> not so much that I knew, knew where they lived, but I knew where they were. Yeah. Um, so so you, I think it's important to try and make a connection and, and you can't make a connection unless you have some idea of what they're looking at. No, and sorry uh, to interrupt you. So that the, the Edinburgh model, as you've already touched on, is different to the one being used in Glasgow. And in fact, I believe Brian McConaughey is, is undertaking that Glasgow trial and he's again yes. offered to, to do something like this once he's completed that. So it's slightly different. But with the Edinburgh trial... Um, the jurors are in a completely different room altogether from from you and other court court officials. Is that right? Yes. You want me to describe? They're in court three, but yeah. I think I'll try to call that the jury room from now on because okay. if I keep talking about courtrooms, we might get confused. They're yeah. in court three with a jury minder and the, the, the services, as I understand it, of a mesa, and they're sitting two meters apart. And each of them has in front of them a monitor, a computer monitor, which shows views of the court one downstairs where we were. Um, Those views are, one, a view from the back wall of the court looking towards the the judge on the bench, but giving a a kind of overview of the court. Mm -hmm. Another view from a camera in a corner up diagonally behind the judge, which shows the dock. So the accused is permanently on view Okay. Uh, in one quarter of their screen, and that's something that's well worth remembering and well worth discussing with the accused. Um, then uh, another view of the witness box, and it, they get quite a close-up view of the witness. The witness kind of fills one quarter of their screen. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's something that's important for everyone to understand, that, 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 that you're there right in front of them, just in the way that, that you're in front of me just now. So there's, mm-hmm. there's no hiding place for a witness, yeah. uh, and there's no prospect of the jurors not catching uh, any kind of facial gestures and the like. And I, I, I was able, in cross-examining a police officer, to a couple of times say to him, there's no point in shrugging your shoulders and making that face at me. And the jury would have seen him doing exactly that, okay. especially once I drew their attention to it. So it, it, those are the kind of dynamics you need to know about. The, the other quarter of the screen uh, will have anything that's placed on the imager shown. So that's that's, a, right. that's and is always it, something on. Is it otherwise? So, so there's the, the accused, the witness, the overall, overall view of the court, and then sometimes a blank quarter and anything yes. on, the, on the imager would go on that. Yeah. I think there was a notice which had been left on the imager which would display saying court in session, quiet please, or something like that. But yeah. and so, so you'll already ask yourself, where are counsel to be seen? Yeah. And the answer to that is when we're asking questions, from the lectern beside the jury box, as we normally would, at least in court one in Lawn Market, if you mm-hmm. know that court. Um, when I first saw it at the court on Monday morning, the day that the jury was being balloted, and we'll come to that no date, the way they had worked it was where counsel would stand was completely out of sight of the camera. Okay. So, so, so I suggested that we should perhaps move forward. So when you're standing asking questions at the lectern, it's the same quadrant which is showing the accused. So the accused is to your left, um, approximately two metres away. I don't think it was two metres. 
but the jury will see you. So they don't get a very close-up view of you. So yeah. if, if you're going to be trying to make any point by facial gestures or anything of that sort, um, raising your eyebrows in astonishment, that sort of thing won't work because they don't get a, a kind of, that kind of view of you. Simultaneously, they will see you in the overview from the back of the court, mm-hmm. but it will be your side or rear view that they're seeing and not in uh, not, not, not in great detail. So, um, so, so if I hadn't suggested that, then they wouldn't have seen us at all right. asking now, I'm glad that I pointed that out. Yeah. Um, the plan had originally been, and this after all the, the experimentation, that addressing the jury, one would then turn the lectern through 90 degrees or thereby to face the jury wall. And I'll better tell you what the jury wall is, which is set up in the jury box. Mm-hmm. So that we can look at each individual juror. There are 16 rectangles or squares on this very large screen, which is in the jury box. And when the link between the court and the jury room is established, um, you see each individual juror. Some are quite close to their monitor, obviously, or their camera, so their face almost fills the screen. Others are kind of lounging or relaxing, and so you're getting to see not so much close-up, but you get to see each and every one of them, and they all have to sit in one place all the time. But that process of looking at the jury and speaking to the jury, as it were, face on, I immediately deduced would mean that the camera which is catching us would show the jury us speaking, but looking away from them, mm-hmm. a sort of side-on view. Now, in fairness to the clerk, it's not his job to work out how we present our cases, mm. and, and that was how they had decided to do it. But it was completely unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So what happened was, and again with the full agreement uh, of the Advocate Deputy Principal Crown Counsel, when we came to address the jury, we both stood one after the other uh, in front of the witness box. So the camera which was broadcasting a facial view of the witness sitting in the box or standing in the box was then broadcasting us. So it was as close as we could to this kind of view, me looking at you and you looking at me, and I did sort of break the ice in starting my speech by saying, if it looks as though I'm looking slightly over your head or slightly to the side of you, it's just because that's the way the camera is. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to do it. But, um, so don't assume that the setup that an individual clerk will approve of, or judge for that matter, is the one which will be best. I, I would like to think they will take this one as being the template yeah. because there's no point in having the very idea of standing side on the jury's looking at you and they're seeing you side on, wondering who you're speaking to. Yeah. Um, so it's these kind of um, details which are still being worked out. We're still in sufficiently early a stage, and this is no criticism of anyone. It's yeah. bound to take time. But these are the kind of details that you need to, to be aware of. So uh, I've described <laughs> the views. I'm just going to ask about the so the the what would be the jury box in a normal courtroom? That is where this big screen that your 15 yes. jurors are appearing kind of virtually from. So there is, I suppose, a focal point for counsel. You're still looking at that, albeit um, they can't see you. Uh, it's quite interesting because in that particular courtroom in Edinburgh, the defence counsel sits with his or her back to that screen. Yeah. So. And I realised, and it took me a bit of time to realise that even if I turned around to look at them, they weren't seeing me, unless they were looking at the quadrant which showed me in the court overview Mm -hmm. turning around. It it wasn't as if I was making eye contact with them and they were aware of it. 
Yeah. Um, so from from that particular from from council's defence council's seat, you can actually turn around and look at them without them being aware of it. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I think it probably took until after the trial was finished for me to have worked that out. So I would turn around <laughs> to look at them every now and again, um, but only as much as I would in an ordinary trial. Uh, I mean, simple things, which I, I emphasise, underline why you should get to see the whole thing operating in detail before you start. When the judge introduces parties, it's customary and courtesy to, to nod or bow or give a small bow in, in your seat or turn to the jury. Now, when he introduced the advocate deputy, Alec, I, I saw nodded towards the screen. I'm pretty confident there was no camera showing him doing that. Yeah. I nodded to the, towards the camera at the back of the court, which gives the overview but at that point, it was probably zoomed in on the bench, so they didn't see me at all. So goodness knows who they thought I was uh, <laughs> nodding to, but they saw me at all. Yeah. It, these sound like really trivial points, but they are the kind of detail which we're going to have to be aware of. Absolutely. Um, so, so don't let me be too trivial, but that, that's that's a point. The, the, the audio link, I'm just throwing in random warnings here. I'm, I'm told that the microphone or microphones in the courtroom are extremely sensitive. And so any whispered comment uh, or exchange will be broadcast into the jury room. Okay. Um, so, for example, there was a point at which my, uh, the accused wanted to speak to me. I should say, with the way the table's laid out, I sit in front of the clerk's desk, the prosecutor opposite me, and at the end of the table, there was a space for the instructing solicitor. Mm -hmm. He worked out very quickly that where he was sitting, it wouldn't be possible for the prosecutor to pass him on his way to the lectern without reaching the social yeah. distancing. And he probably wasn't two metres away from the accused who was behind him. So yeah. my instructing agent uh, agreed uh, and volunteered, in fact, to sit in the public benches or, or the very few seats which are available. Mm -hmm. And the judge agreed to that because mm -hmm. we were all content with that. But it's not uncommon, as you know, for accused persons to want to point something out or, or make an observation the accused did that, and I leaned over towards him, and I immediately realized I was going to have to be very close to him mm. and had no idea what he was going to say. And the judge had made it very clear at the preliminary hearing in advance of the trial that it was very important not only that we observe social distancing, but that we are seen to do so, that the jury have been promised the highest standards of social distancing being practiced by everyone. And, mm. and it was very clear, and I think perfectly uh, properly, that we give them confidence by showing that we are following the rules. So I, I asked and was readily granted an adjournment to, to go and speak to the accused. And, and as he put it when we went downstairs, if I'd known it was going to cause all this fuss, I wouldn't have bothered. And the point he was asking about was a fair one, but it's one that I'd already picked up on anyway. Yeah. Um, but, but we'll have to uh, get into the habit of discussing with accused persons, the circumstances in which they will or should uh, attract their attention because I don't expect that the first adjournment or the second adjournment for that purpose, everyone might be quite happy with it. I suspect if that becomes a recurring theme, uh, people won't be happy with it. No. So, and and um, the microphones themselves, you're saying that there was a requirement to adjourn because you simply couldn't have a whispered conversation with an accused without the jury hearing that? It wasn't for that reason, but that's a byproduct. It was actually because in order to speak to him at all, I would have to go within two meters of him. Okay. But in any event, even if I'd been prepared to to, 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 to breach that 
uh, who knows what he's going to say. Yeah. Uh, and the microphones are apparently very sensitive. The flip side of that, I should say, is that the the sound link from the jury room to the court, there's one microphone which is very, very uh, clear. And when the, the foreman of the jury was giving the verdict, he, he raised his voice and there was a booming sound around the courtroom. Okay. When the jury were sworn, um, we couldn't hear them, couldn't hear a response. And right. I could see them mouthing the words, I do, um, but not hear anything. And so it was three goes before eventually, I think a few of them got fed up and, and shouted, I do, and they were, they were thereby sworn. Yeah. That's just a wee glitch that will have to be looked at. Mm. Uh, it, it's the kind of thing that's going to crop up. Yeah. So if we if we look then at, at um, I suppose the first day of the trial, Ian, what 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 took place on the first day of, of your gathering in Edinburgh? Having discovered by accident that my trial was being accelerated from the seventh of August to the twentieth of July, um, I was then told a week or so before the trial that it was going to be calling as a preliminary hearing on the Friday mm -hmm. before the twentieth, the seventeenth then. Yeah. And that was really for the purpose of the judge making sure everybody knew what was going on. And I, I, I told him um, lightheartedly but candidly that I didn't. Uh, and had it not been for the BBC, I wouldn't. Yep. I'd hoped to use that day uh, plenty of time to, to get to see everything. But there were still uh, workmen and I suspect women in court three setting everything up. So even after that preliminary hearing, at which we agreed on what the procedures would be, um, I still hadn't seen it. And mm -hmm. So it was. So we then gathered on the Monday, knowing that that was the day we were balloting the jury, mm -hmm. and uh, we were also given on that day, as promised by the judge at the preliminary hearing, a copy of a new document, written directions to jurors, which is going to be distributed to jurors at the start of every trial now. Okay. Uh, and and not every trial, as I understand it, going forward. And where um, did that document come from? Do you know? You'd like to think I would know, wouldn't you? It came from it came from the judge, um, yeah. and it's headed up Appendix G. So my guess is that there are appendices A to F somewhere of a document. Mm -hmm. um, I have no idea. Now the answer may be I should know and don't, but I've not met anyone who knows. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, I, I I've been a great fan of the notion of giving jurors written directions on the essentials um, for years. I don't yeah. see why they should be expected to assimilate complicated concepts mm -hmm. on and one. Um, I would have liked, I'd like to think that everyone, prosecution, court and defence would have been involved in the crafting and drafting of such documents. Um, all I can say is I haven't. And, you know, if anyone watching has, uh, please let us know. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's unobjectionable. It is a perfectly sound description of the essentials and it, the, the judge read it to the jury on the Tuesday I'm getting things out of sync really but it was read in full okay. and then when he came to give his final directions to them he directed them that it formed because they now had it it formed part of his direction so he summarised some key elements of it but didn't read it in full again but if it's appendix G then there'll be other things um, they were all, we were also given a document which the jurors were going to be given about their responsibilities as jurors. And it's the sort of stuff about don't go home and tell your family about the evidence in the case, don't talk to strangers and all that sort of thing. Um, it, it does mention that breaking any of these rules may be contempt of court, but never suggests to them that they might go to jail for it. And I, right. I wonder why we, we traditionally give jurors warnings but shy away from telling them what the sanction might be. Yeah. 
Um, but I didn't draft that document, so yeah. maybe there's a reason for that. So on the Monday, when we're balloting the jury, now balloting a jury for these purposes consists of um, jurors who have responded to their citations um, and who are therefore available to be balloted mm-hmm. are telephoned one after the other by the clerk, his or her own, um, to, to alert them to the fact that they are about to be balloted and is there any reason why they shouldn't be. So if they've got a very high temperature and cough, that would be reason. If, and as I understand it, if you are one of the 75% of people who didn't bother replying to your citation, then you won't be getting that phone call. So there's a, a narrowed pool already. Yeah. Um, so we were advised late morning by the clerk who had been doing all this work that he had something like 45 people available um, to, to ballot. So the clerk w- was able to tell us after he'd made all these phone calls that he had something like 45 people available to be balloted. So that was, that was by noon. But since we'd all agreed to convene at two o'clock in order to carry out the balloting, that's when we did. Um, that's pretty impressive given the number of people the clerk had to phone. Um, that I think so. And I, I suspect he'd probably go into a rhythm of saying, you realise you're about to be balloted and, and then hanging up so they don't get a chance to say, but I can't. <laughs> um, no, that's unfair. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he gave them every opportunity. Um, so we had this really rather odd scenario mm-hmm. of us all gathering there and 15 names being drawn out of the fishbowl and, and read out. And you sit there and you're so accustomed to, here's the name, number 15, Jeannie Smith, and we wait until Jeannie Smith comes yeah. forward and gives a big shrug to say, I knew I would get picked or something <laughs> like that. Um, and of course, that didn't happen. There's no one there. Yeah. And uh, we then, so we picked 15 names, that was the jury, and then five substitutes or res- reserves. Excuse <clears throat> me. Um, so all 20 were required to attend on Tuesday morning, and in fairness, all 20 did. <clears throat> Um, surprisingly or not, for those who have been through jury ballots, and notwithstanding that she had uh, answered the citation, had been called to confirm there was nothing wrong with being a juror, um, one of the jurors decided when she got to court that there was a very good reason for her not being a juror, and I'm not going to go into what it was, but um, what then happened is that the first of the five reserves, there wasn't a balloting of the five, it was the taken in order in terms of the act of a journal. Um, so the first of those was simply um, put into the jury. Um, okay. And that, we didn't have to call the, the case for that. The clerk told us this is what had happened and the judge asked if we were happy with it. And of course we were. Yeah. And so we then get the link established between the jury court, the jury room and our court um, in order to, to see that it's working. So the clerk speaks to them and says, right, everybody all right. So at that point in time, the jury minder, the 15 jurors, and by this time, four reserves are sitting dotted around the well of Code 3. And, and having able, a, you're able to see them, and are they able to see you then at that stage? I can see them, and they can see me only in the overview yeah. of the courtroom. So they, they wouldn't see anything at all of me. So I'm, I'm stuck in a corner. They wouldn't really know who I was. Um, but we're all able to see that the thing works. So it, the link is then switched off. It, I'm assured that if that screen is blank, then there is no audio or video feed from the courtroom up to the jury room. And that better be right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, I think I think we might all have to become even more wary than we already are about what we say um, when we think we're off. Yeah. Uh, and Because technology being what technology is, 
I, and I, I accept every assurance that I'm given that the link is broken if the screen's off, but I may have to be a bit more discreet than usual. So it was, it was then switched off. The judge came on and it was switched on again. And then the trial started. He gave them welcoming remarks and uh, the, we proceeded to, to swear the jury. I should say on a very technical point, because the jury had been balloted on the Monday mm-hmm. and not sworn until the Tuesday, there is a requirement that the court make an order under the Contempt of Court Act preventing publication of the name of the accused or any indication as to the nature of the trial. And that's because there's a gap then overnight when an impaneled but unsworn juror could, for example, make inquiries about the trial they're about to go and sit on. So um, as it turns out, the uh, Scottish media seem to have been completely uninterested in what we lawyers think of as a groundbreaking historical yeah. uh, historic um, uh, moment in time. So people have been asking me today, when's your trial finishing? Because there's not been a cheap about it in the media. And, and I, I personally, and it's not just because I love to see my name in the papers, but <laughs> I personally think that's a real shame. Um, that, uh, that that it's not it's not being broadcast to the to the world. We are as a justice system doing something that we're up and running. I, I would hope that Brian McConaughey's trial in Glasgow will attract mm. a bit more attention. In fairness, this trial was completely unnewsworthy, but uh, yeah. but for the fact that it's groundbreaking. I thought I saw something, and I wasn't. I just saw the television on. Um, I thought there was something last night, just perhaps saying that the first trial had completed. Um, but um, I may be wrong. Which channel do you watch? It was on STV. <laughs> I don't watch STV. Right, okay, there we are. It may have been well, on well done, STV. Um, let's hope so, because as you say, you know, it's not just it's it's so important for society. It's not just oh, all about lawyers. It's not about accused people and uh, all the rest of it. It's about a society and a society continuing with fair trials and you know trying people in a, a proper and fair manner so um, I, I, I would I would like to think that it was worthy of um, some mention yeah. in our national newspapers or national news well well done STV if they're the only ones who mentioned it you know it, it, it is it couldn't be more important in my view because the alternative is something which um, uh, many of us are simply not not willing to, to contemplate other than as the only available option, and, and if we can say there is a better option available, then let's uh, let's go with that. Absolutely. And so, Ian, um, so you've described the the balancing of the jury. You, you described a lot of the layout and the logistics. Um, is it is it is it the plan, as far as you're aware, that it will be court one, courts one, and courts three in ed, in loan market that will be utilised for all? Unfortunately, again, I have to ask the questions to get the answers, and that's not a question I thought to ask. And my guess is that simply because that's where all the wiring's been done, that for until such time as, first of all, it's decided that it works and can um, be ruled out. I hate that phrase, but and second of all, that uh, that that's the model that's going to be used because the Glasgow model may be preferred. But but let's say the remote jury. I'm bound to say, I'll give you my personal view, the remote jury is the only way it's going to work. Um, And and therefore, having not seen the Glasgow, I've just just in fact received instructions for one of the Glasgow trials in a couple of weeks' time. So I'll get to see that. Mm -hmm. But um, I'd be very surprised if it comes to be chosen. Or if anything else, if it uses three courtrooms, that's not really very good. 
No. So this is this is the system which I think will be the preferred system um, if it's decided to use any such system at all. Uh, so and 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 does it and undoubtedly works. And of course, let's say court one downstairs is in loan market is to be the, the trial court. There's no reason then why court two can't be a trial court. There's no reason why court three and for that matter court four can't be trial courts because no. the, the jury room doesn't have to be in the building at all. No. Um, court three is in the building, but it doesn't have to be. The, mm-hmm. It's not hardwired, as I would understand it, that, that we can use technology to use external rooms, buildings. And I think we all know there are suggestions that uh, cinemas would be used. Well, mm-hmm. subject to certain details being worked out, that, that's the way forward, in my view, because all the courtrooms can then be used as courtrooms. Yeah. You really don't need to be there at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. That seems like a, and again, I think these discussions are in early stages, but certainly being considered um, and cinemas would seem to be the ideal place to, yep. to have the juries watching, whether that would be on the cinema screen, I don't know, or whether it's the same idea with individual monitors. Um, what, whatever it is, it would seem a solution to getting courts up and running, utilising all of our courts and having that external room for viewing. Yep. Uh, definitely. All of this is subject to the caveat that the trial we had did not involve a great many productions and label productions which had to be given to the jury. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will present a challenge, but it's a challenge which with a bit of imagination and preparation, we will all be able to get around. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't be, for example, simply handing a bag of drugs around the jury just for the sake of it, if there's some intrinsic evidential value to it, then a means by which that can be done will have to be found. But if it's not necessary, then we'll just have to get out of the habit of doing it for the sake of doing it. And this is, Ian, because anything that goes to the jury, productions, labels, has to to have been quarantined for 72 hours, is that right, in line with COVID-19 rules? If you go onto the Scott Courts or SCTS websites, you'll find a link, one or the other, to the information which jurors have been given. And there are some pretty bold claims made as to the steps which will be taken to uh, protect them. And one is that any paper they are given will have been quarantined for 72 hours. Um, And therefore, we have to be careful not to be giving them things, first of all, that they don't need to have. And secondly of all, that that haven't been quarantined. Now, there was a joint minute of agreement entered into on day one, the Monday, Right. And it was printed and and distributed on the Tuesday, and I think it's right to say that it had been quarantined in the extent that, to the extent that it was in a pile of printer paper until it was generated. Yeah. So it was a brand new document. Um. But but I I would recommend that people read the promises that have been made to jurors to make sure that they don't break any of or aren't party to breaking any of those promises. Yeah. And and the way to do that uh, or to ensure that we don't break the promises is. Uh, to think carefully in advance as to what we might want jurors to have mm-hmm. rather than see. So putting prior statements and the like on the imager. Um, do we really need them to see, uh, to, to hold the knife, which was the murder weapon? There might be something, in, there might be some unusual weight to it, which jurors will have to assess for themselves. That would be very unusual. Mm. A knife's a knife. And, and seeing it on the imager or seeing a photograph of it will, in 99 times out of 100, be sufficient. But the time to decide what you're going to show the jury, both for the Crown and the defence, although it will lie more heavily on the Crown, 
uh, is in advance and at least 72 hours in advance. Yeah, yeah. So preparation, as you say, for that. Um, and in general, Ian, were you, presumably you were able to gauge how the jury were not interacting, but, but did you feel that they felt part of the process? Were you able to monitor that in any way? Because they were behind me, unless I turned around to look at them, in mm. which case I wasn't taking notes or watching witness, my instructing agent sat so he was able to see the screen. And, and his, and he's a very experienced agent, he didn't think there was any rapport between the two rooms. Right. Um, and, and I'm not sure that we, we, we like to think we create a rapport with jurors. I certainly do like to think that, whether I do or not is another matter. But even the sort of we look to the jury, did you get that point, ladies and gentlemen? Or here's a wee joke, a wee self-effacing joke to make you think what a nice guy I am. They're not really, they're not possible at all. Yeah. Because, for example, if I were asking a witness a question and wanted to make a wee joke, I could turn and look at the screen. They would, all they would see was me looking away from them yeah. because they're, they're looking at me from a camera somewhere else. So um, we, the dynamic's different. Uh, and, we, and we can't pretend that an emergency situation which has given rise to a very imaginative solution can ever seek to replicate what no. we had before and what we hopefully will have again when the vaccine is distributed. But it, it, it's better than the alternative of not having a jury. And so if, if we don't get to establish that rapport, well, we have to focus more on what the trial is actually about, namely the evidence and the witnesses. Addressing them uh, at the end, I think I was better able to do that because at this time I'm looking at them and they're looking at me. And I could make a wee joke about uh, if I'm not looking at you, if you think I'm looking over your head, it's just because of the camera. And you know, explored with them why they were where they were and, and made what I think is my most quotable quote uh, in summing up why we had gone to these lengths in order to protect jury trials as our system. Um, I said to them that uh, I, 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 wish, I, I wish you were here, but I'm very glad that you're there. <laughs> and there were three or four of them actually gave a wee smile and there was a bit more rapport building possible then. Equally, two or three of them uh, not apparently wanting to listen or engage. But that's that's a jury for you. That's, yeah, well, that's that's nothing and very often, and maybe it's because um, they are enlarged and static on a screen. You know, I suppose <laughs> you get a mix of that. You do get a jurors who will engage with you, others who just don't want to have eye contact, so maybe it's more concentrated on the, the screen and evident than, than otherwise might be. Something I was thinking about yesterday after the trial that, that simply serves to underline why we should see the whole thing in operation. Mm. I, I did not get to see from a juror's perspective what being spoken to by uh, counsel would look okay. like. And I would want to do that in future mm -hmm. because I was aware that when you're addressing a jury, um, you have to try and share your eye contact about. Yeah. So you'll maybe look at one and then you're aware of I've left the front left row out of that. And whereas I can stand and see each and every one of them. Yeah. Um, I can I can make eye contact with each one of them for the whole duration of the speech. Yeah. And I now wonder what it looks like to have someone speaking at you as if he's speaking only to you. Yeah. For thirty five minutes. Mm -hmm. I, and we might adapt our style 
our approach if we know how, how disconcerting that might be. But it's certainly, it's, it's quite, quite novel not to have to keep looking around everyone and making sure no one's fallen asleep. Um, it, it's one of those things, I can describe it as best I can, but you have to see it to, to get a feel for it. Yeah. And please see it before you do your first trial with this. Yeah. Well, that, that seems to be the, the takeaway message. But um, from what you've said, Ian, it, it certainly is a, a huge step in the right direction. Um, and as you say, um, if that model is taken forward, then it would hopefully allow a full complement of courts to be up and running soon. Um, with, with, you know, I suppose the next step is what type of trials are going to be allowed to be um, run as trials because at the moment there is a prohibition on, on certain trials but um, it, it all sounds pretty positive Ian and uh, clearly people have put a lot of hard work into getting it to this stage. My, my take on that is that the, the very limited number of trials, the nature of trials which they could run was for a very good reason which is if it's not going to work please don't let it collapse after uh, a complainer in a very serious yeah. uh, assault or sexual violence case has given evidence. Mm. This case, although the accused faced a seven-year minimum sentence because of his drug trafficking convictions, the reality is, had he been acquitted or some other thing had made the trial go wrong because of the technology, no victims would have been lost in the making of this trial. Yeah. But since it's worked, and, and assuming that the, the thing continues to work and to expand once, once we meet more challenges in different kinds of trials. I personally see no reason why uh, we couldn't now use this uh, model to start clearing the backlog of single accused, one or two complainer rape cases, for example, which is in no one's interests, of course, to have those delayed. Yeah. And, and I think that those who represent complainers in, in cases such as that, as well as those who represent accused in cases such as that, can be, can, can I, from my experience, can be confident that this is a way in which that backlog can quickly be made inroads into, mm. if that's even a proper phrase. <laughs> Multi-accused cases, mm. um, uh, cases in which the jury have to see lots of documents and items, they're, they're going to need some more work. But the principle remains the same, and I, I, I believe that this can be built on. It, 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 Rome wasn't built in a day. This system has come a long way in a short time, yeah. and I'm certain that the people who are behind it have already shown a commitment to making it work, that that commitment would, would, would rise to any challenges that, that, um, that come up. But we can start trials in this way, in my view, anything you like. Yeah. Well, Ian, that is uh, incredibly useful. Thank you so much for your time You're and, insight and your, um, your, your honesty in sharing your, your own thoughts with, on things. I think uh, that, you know, a lot of us have been concerned. A lot of us have been really unemployed for the past four months. So <laughs> this, this will give people hope um, and, and, and see a, a road through, I think. Um, I almost forgot how to submit my account at the end of the case. That was, I almost forgot to do it and then how to do it. But uh, I, I, got, I got the hang of that again. <laughs> I don't know if you've got time, uh, either just for a couple of other comments. I know, of course, I know yes, please up. do, yes. I, I, I consider that we should have in the courtroom a screen showing the four quadrants which the jurors are looking at. Right. Um, so that we can see where we are, what we're doing, that they can see. Now, 
I am pretty confident the technology exists where they would find that the clerk has a screen showing exactly that on his desk. Okay. But he can't. Yeah. And he was good enough when, when uh, the prosecutor and then I gave our jury speeches. At our request, he lifted it up, dragging cables behind it to show us that we were in shot, as it were. Yeah. But I think I think that uh, if anyone asks me, and I would, I'd like to think they will, but if anyone asks me, I would be suggesting that we have so that we can at all times see what the jury are looking at. Yeah. So that's just one practical thing, which I hope um, they would be able to, to take on. I made a couple of notes here just to see if there's anything else which uh, um, which I wanted to speak about. But but no, you know, I think I think you've covered everything that we wanted to. Yeah. Um, so if so, if we are approaching the end of this uh, broadcast, I I. I, I it will be clear that I'm enthusiastic about this, and and that's nothing to do with the unanimous not proven verdict. Absolutely nothing at all to do with that. But I am enthusiastic because it has been no fun for any of us being unemployed. Mm. Things are beginning to pick up by way of instructions and prison consultations and the like. But we were trial court lawyers, and we want to be doing that. And it was uh, when I said to the jury yesterday in concluding that it was a real pleasure to be able to speak to a jury again. I really meant it, I really felt it. And I also felt utterly exhausted at the end of what was, frankly, uh, a, a summary trial uh, in all but name. Uh, there is one other thing, a practical measure, which I think ought to be considered. We're taking up a full day to ballot the jury under this system. I don't see why that balloting shouldn't be done in advance of the trial and not take up a trial day. So Monday was not lost to balloting because balloting is essential. But the evidence took, uh, the Crown case was finished on Tuesday. The accused gave evidence, speeches and charge by lunchtime. So it was one and a half days mm -hmm. before the jury were sent. They weren't, weren't sent out. We have to adapt our language. The jury were, weren't sent out to consider their verdict. They were told to sit still and consider their verdict. <laughs> um, so uh, for those whose concerns are that this is going to be too time consuming, I think there are ways of front loading the balloting of the jury, which have to be explored. I don't currently know what the the best thing would be, mm -hmm. and I know that people, you know, there'll be staff implications and work implications, but if we could turn up on Monday and the jury turns up with us, then it's even more efficient than what we've just gone through. So I, I hope that my enthusiasm for this comes across and that, that, that I'm not preempting the inevitable difficulties which will arise. More complex cases, different accused personalities will create their own difficulties. Final bit of advice, we were given free bottles of water as well as hand sanitizer for each of us at the table um, until it was decided that Scottish courts aren't paying um, for the water anymore. So bring your own water. It gets very warm in court one in the market. Bring your own water. If, and I, if, if I've told you nothing else of value, that's the top tip. <laughs> oh, well done. And... Um yeah, it's, uh, I'm encouraged by what you've said, Ian, um, and I'm sure others will be as well. And no doubt, as, as time goes on, there will be other little glitches or, or just things that need tweaked um, just to adapt to, to each individual trial. Um, so I think for a first shot at it, it, it's, it sounds to have been very positive. I don't think it could have gone better. All right, Ian, thank you so much again. Uh, and I'm sure everyone watching this will be extremely grateful to you for sharing uh, all that you have with us. Um, You're very welcome. And if people want to contact me, 
Um, my, my email address is easily available. If, if they want, it, and I've been in touch with John McElroy, who's doing the next trial in Edinburgh, so that he's get, you know, I don't want to keep, there was a perception that information is being held mm. in certain areas for good reason or bad, it doesn't really matter. I, I want to share my experience with anyone who wants to, to, to listen uh, or, or, or have it. So I, I'm, I would welcome any communications. I hope that this is the best way of reaching a number of people at one time. Yeah. But if there's anything that's not been covered, then I'm very happy to speak to people about it. Well, that's very kind. And uh, I'm sure people will take you up on that. But that, that is giving a, a really sort of snapshot or insight to, to what you, your experience was and I'm sure um, will help many people going forward, Ian. I hope so. All right. Excellent. Thank you nice so much again. All right. Thank you, Ian. Bye for Excellent. now. We hope this Hey Legal Exclusive content has been of value to you. Hey Legal Exclusive. Follow us, please, on YouTube and Twitter and create a free account on our website to stay informed and entertained about Scottish legal matters as they happen.